Welcome to the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast, a complimentary resource for those on the road to recovery. I'm Mickey Trescott, a nutritional therapy practitioner living well with autoimmune disease in Oregon. I've got both Hashimoto's and celiac disease. And I'm Angie Alt, a certified health coach and nutritional therapy consultant, also living well with autoimmune disease in Maryland. I have endometriosis, lichen sclerosis, and celiac disease. After recovering our health by combining the best of conventional medicine with effective and natural dietary and lifestyle interventions, Mickey and I started blogging at autoimmune-paleo.com, where our collective mission is seeking wellness and building community. This podcast is sponsored by the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook, our co-authored guide to living well with chronic illness. We saw the need for a comprehensive resource that goes beyond nutrition to connect savvy patients just like you to the resources they need to achieve vibrant health. Through the use of self-assessments, checklists, handy guides, and templates, you get to experience the joy of discovery, finding out which areas to prioritize on your healing journey. Pick up a copy wherever books are sold. A quick disclaimer, the content in this podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On to the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast. Mickey here and Angie and I are super excited to be back with you guys. We've taken six months off from our podcasting adventure. Can you believe it's been that long, Angie? Uh, No, it feels like it was just uh, a few weeks ago that we were releasing everything. Seriously. I mean, honestly, we don't really know how podcasters who have regular shows do it, putting all of this content, editing, and all the details is kind of a lot of work, you guys. Um, We do much better producing and releasing our podcast in like, uh, you know, batches and seasons. And we hope you guys are enjoying the seasonal format too. Um, We've actually already recorded our entire second season, which we can't wait to share with you guys. Um, Because the format is going to be a little different this time around, we wanted to bring you two pre-season bonus episodes featuring interviews with two incredible women doing great work in our community as a way to whet your appetite for what's to come. Uh, Mickey, do you want to tell our listeners about our first incredible woman? Yeah, so our guest today is none other than Dr. Isabella Wentz, also known as a thyroid pharmacist and leader of the Root Cause Rebels. Lest you guys think that is a clever band name, it actually stands for Community of People Who Have Successfully Hacked Their Autoimmune Thyroid Disease. Isabella has made quite a splash in the thyroid community in the last few years since the release of her best-selling book, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Finding and Treating the Root Cause, and the release of the Thyroid Secret documentary series, which you guys uh, probably, if you've been following on our email list or have been on the internet at all in the last three months, have heard about. Hopefully you guys participated in. Um, It was a really incredible experience for everyone. Um, So informative. And Isabella's newest book that came out this week, Hashimoto's Protocol. Uh, Isabella is definitely a lady on a mission to spread the word far and wide about healing from thyroid disease, and we feel absolutely blessed to call her a friend and have her in our community. Uh, Welcome, Isabella. Angie, Mickey, I'm so excited to be here with you ladies today. How are you? We are awesome. Great. Yeah. Even better with you on the show. 
Um, so maybe we'll just kind of get started. Isabella, you are fresh off the launch of your thyroid secret documentary. Woot woot. Uh, we promoted it and heard from our followers that it was one of the most thorough and informative resources on thyroid disease they had ever seen. Um, you interviewed literally hundreds of experts as well as patients all over the world. It was really incredible. Can you tell us what inspired you to do a project on such a massive scale? Of course. And thank you for being a part of the thyroid secret as well. So um, uh, we, of course, interviewed Mickey as part of that. And it was fantastic to have her share with people how effective the autoimmune paleo diet can be and how important it can be as part of a healing protocol for people with thyroid disease. Um, Really, my big passion is ever since I got my health back, um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2009 after almost a decade of some pretty debilitating symptoms and, um, you know, kind of mystery symptoms. And I was told that they were all in my head and all that good stuff um, until I actually took charge of my own health and was able to recover my health. Um, from that point on, I wanted to spread the message to the world that recovering from autoimmune disease is possible and that you can feel like yourself again even if you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's or Graves' disease, and just really trying everything that I could do to get this message out there. Um, the documentary series, um, so I've written a book about Hashimoto's. Uh, Hashimoto's, The Root Cause was my first book, and I have Hashimoto's Protocol that just came out this week, which is a protocol-based book. But um, I wanted to get together with a group of like-minded individuals, so healthcare professionals and experts, um, like you ladies, as well as patients who've taken back and recovered their health to create this community and create sort of a movement to share the best practices, to share our stories, to share our research um, and inspire and really get the world moving and excited about health recovery and giving them, um, raising that awareness and giving people an opportunity to understand and see that people are recovering from thyroid disease every day. Um, that was really my big motivation behind it is I wanted to get this message out into the broader world. And I know for some people with, with thyroid disease, the brain fog prevents them from reading wonderful books such as ours and even reading blogs, but sometimes just watching something on a screen um, can be really helpful in helping people absorb the information. Yeah, Isabella, I think that the documentary format is just genius because it it's really visual. Uh, a lot of people are really visual learners and seeing you interview and ask these questions and seeing all these experts and, and hearing from all these patients, it's so much more moving to a certain type of person, a certain type of learner that I think that that connection is a lot deeper and then it spurs action not only in people's own lives, but then the conversations that they're having with their friends and family, maybe that's even sharing the documentary and getting some validation in what they're going through. And then going into their doctor's offices and being informed and saying, you know, you're not the only doctor on the planet that doesn't believe in this. Like, look, there's a whole movement of people out here that are fighting for our care and it just really empowers them. So it's, it's really, really awesome. We loved it. Yeah, um, my goal is to create 10,000 success stories with um, the Thyroid Secret documentary and with my Hashimoto's Protocol book. Um, and it's been really, really exciting to see the ripple effect of this. Um, you know, as, as your listeners know, nutrition is a really, really important part of recovering your health. 
um, I was really excited about one story. It was a woman who watched The Thyroid Secret in episode five. We focused on nutrition. Right after that episode, she changed over to the autoimmune paleo diet. And by episode nine, she said, you know, she was feeling completely transformed. She had gotten her energy back and, you know, joint pains and all these symptoms just started shedding away from her. And it's like, the more we can spread awareness about all of these interventions that can change, you know, change a person's life, change how they feel and prevent the progression of autoimmunity, then, you know, let's get this out in a big way, right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's um, those, those kind of stories, like they just don't get old for me, you know, it still gives me goosebumps to hear it. It still makes me, you know, I, I'm a crier, but it still makes me like on the edge of tears. It's, you know, dramatically changing people's quality of life is such, such an awesome way to spend your, your life work, you know, you're doing a great job on that massive scale. I love it. And, you know, the, the social media and the implementing kind of this online business stuff, you know, you and your husband have been really, really good at leveraging that tool that I think a lot of us get really burnt out and exhausted trying to get the word out um, through the online environment. It can be a little bit toxic in times. So you guys really figured out how to kind of hit that where you got people's attention, you got a lot of Build, building this massive community and people really excited about it um, because this is what we need to change the system. You know, we need a, a large movement of people that are uh, ready to kind of go to battle and uh, and get that awareness out there. So it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We've reached 500,000 people with a documentary series and it's it's all a collaboration of you know, our work together, and we're all sharing our best practices with that. That's just incredible. So right on the heels of this massive launch, you also have a new book out. Uh, you sound like the same kind of crazy person cut from the same cloth that Angie and I are, um, called Hashimoto's Protocol, a 90-day plan for reversing thyroid symptoms and getting your life back. So for any of you guys who are listening um, who may have read Isabella's first book, you will know that she's very detailed and there is a ton of information there. I remember when I first got my hand on that book, I was like, holy cow, this is like a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So what inspired you to write this second book? And how are they different from each other? <laughs> so it was a reader, a Pilates teacher, and um, a discovery of liver support. And plus all of my experience working with over a 1000 people with Hashimoto's. Um, to make kind of, you know, a long story short is I you know, my first book, Hashimoto's The Root Cause, it was me recovering my health. And the book was about my story and all the research that I did um, to, to help myself. And I just wanted to put it out there for people and say, hey, I don't know every single root cause and I don't know what triggered your condition. Here's a, some things that worked for me. And these are some additional things that may work for you. These are all of the different things I researched that could potentially help with autoimmune thyroid disease. Some of them worked for me. Others did not. And so that was my first book. And I started speaking about Hashimoto's after that point. And I started working exclusively with people with Hashimoto's and just really made it my life's work and my focus and, of course, my passion. And I was speaking at an event in Chicago. And this was in um, 2014, early 2014. And I met this wonderful, wonderful woman named Teresa. And she said, you know, I really love digging 
for my health. Um, my first book talked about the dig at it approach where you figure out what your individual triggers were and you kind of dig for these triggers. And um, I try to create a funky acronym, right, <laughs> um, for it, where it was digestion, infections, um, gut, adrenals, toxins, inflammation, so on and so forth. And she said, I really enjoyed digging for my health, but I really wish you would just give me like done for me protocols where you tell me exactly what to do. Like, tell me what I need to eat. Tell me what I need to change. Like, can you give me a plan? And at first I was like, yeah, I could give you a plan. Um, but I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm biased or I have all of these, you know, competing interests or whatnot. And I'm like, I think maybe it's best for people to learn as much as they can and then pick out what works for them. Right. Um, then a little bit after that, I had a Pilates session with a pretty intense Pilates instructor who kept telling me like which muscles I was using. She gave me Pilates homework. She tried to quiz me on anatomy. And at that point I was like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to be a Pilates expert. I sort of just want to be, you know, in good shape. Right. Um, and then I realized that maybe not everybody wanted to necessarily be a Hashimoto's expert, which um, my first book sort of taught people to be their own experts. The second book focuses on giving people protocols. So this is exactly the steps you need to take to recover your health. And um, the steps I developed came from my work with clients. And these are the protocols that have worked for about 80% of people. We saw very positive, significant results. One of these protocols is actually the very first of my fundamental protocols in Hashimoto's protocol called the liver support protocol. Um, this focuses on helping, helping people support their liver through removing kind of the low hanging toxic, toxic fruit, um, adding specific nutrients to help themselves detoxify better and removing um, specific foods as well as adding another, other types of foods into their regimen. And what I found is within two weeks of doing the liver support protocol, people see significant uh, difference in their symptoms. I first discovered this when I was working with a client that was um, really just reactive to everything. So I would recommend a B vitamin to her and she would say, oh, I had a negative reaction or a probiotic and she had a negative reaction to that. And she um, had multiple chemical sensitivities, a lot of joint pains. Um, a very high thyroid antibodies and brain fog and even depression. Um, and I wanted to figure out how I could help her right away and very quickly um, without necessarily doing protocols to rebalance her gut, which can take some time or get rid of infections and that can actually weaken people in the short term. And so I started doing a little bit more research and found that a lot of times when people have multiple chemical sensitivities and a lot of sensitivities, it's because their liver is overloaded with toxins and they're not properly getting rid of them. And so I put her on this liver support protocol, hoping that it would help, you know, just a little bit. But I got like a message from her within a week that said, oh, my goodness, I'm at the shopping mall with my kids. I haven't been able to walk past a Yankee Candle store in years because of my chemical sensitivities. And my joint pain is better. My headaches have resolved. I have more energy. I'm not as depressed. And um, her thyroid antibodies also reduced after, um, after the next time she had them done. And so this is something that can help people within two weeks. And um, I really wanted to get this out into the world as well as all of the other protocols that I discovered 
in working with over a thousand clients over the last few years. My gosh, I love that. I, I, you know, I think um, the reality is that for all of us who write books, there's probably kind of multiple threads that lead to that inspiration. But I love that you have pinpointed the three. You knew exactly how you got there. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's it's been a lot of fun working on um, getting this information out into the world and um, just trying to summarize everything that I've learned since that point. So I've I've uncovered additional protocols and additional triggers that I didn't know about a few years ago, um, just l- learning so much from my clients, um, as well as some late, some of the latest research that's come out um, since my first book was published. Right. So we'd love to dig into some of the topics you cover in your book. Early on, you make the distinction that Hashimoto's disease has some unique symptoms compared to other thyroid disorders, including the ability to fluctuate between what is commonly known as hyper and hypothyroid symptoms. Can you tell us more about this and give our listeners some background on this concept? I think it might ring some bells for some folks. Yeah. And so um, I know when most people are diagnosed with a thyroid condition. Um, the doctors tell them the thyroid is sluggish or underactive, right? Or that it's overactive. But with Hashimoto's, what it is, it's an autoimmune attack on the thyroid gland. And definitely in the early stages or when the attack is severe enough, we start seeing a rush of thyroid hormones into the bloodstream. And this rush of thyroid hormones produces Um, kind of a transient overactive thyroid or hyperthyroid. And we can feel like we're on an emotional and physical roller coaster because we'll have this influx of thyroid hormones and we might feel anxious. We might have palpitations. We might feel really irritable. We might be losing weight. And then once that gets cleared out of the body, we start having hypothyroid symptoms. So we may have um, depression. We may be really tired. We may have brain fog. We may feel really sluggish. Um, and so this is a part of Hashimoto's that not many people are aware of. And in some cases, they feel like they're crazy. They don't know why that's happening to them. Um, and this can happen for probably at least the first 10 years of when a person has Hashimoto's, that they fluctuate between overactive and underactive. Isabella, I have a question too, as a thyroid patient who has definitely experienced this, um, it seemed to me also that it wouldn't swing back and forth as clearly as sometimes I would have those, those hyperish symptoms, like the crazy, uh, heart palpitations and the anxiety along with that bone crushing fatigue. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, that potentially could be because we might have too much thyroid hormone in one place, whereas other parts of our body are not getting sufficient thyroid hormone, right? And so it's not being distributed evenly. And then you end up with, um, you know, and I say this sarcastically, but the best of both worlds, because you end up with having hypothyroid and hyperthyroid symptoms all at once. You're like, really, I'm anxious and exhausted. Um, And I know certainly that was that was my experience, too, where I was like, how like, how is this possible when I first got diagnosed? Because I'm like, you're telling me I have this, but my half of my symptoms are on the overactive side. And this, this can be very um, confusing and frustrating. Um, and that, that's definitely a part of the condition to, to understand. 
So Isabella, in your book, you present three main protocols that those with Hashimoto's can use to get their health on track. Um, you already talked a little bit about liver, your liver protocol, and I want to talk about it a little more. Um, so I will admit I was a little worried when I saw that you recommend a liver support protocol as a first step because I personally was hospitalized because of a detoxification protocol gone wrong in the early days of my recovery. Um, I was actually prescribed a smoothie-based uh, detox by my naturopath and it did not end up well for me. Um, and that being said, when I actually read that chapter in your book, I was so relieved and actually really impressed to see how on your recommendations are with kind of a gentle approach, not to overwhelm people. I think there's a lot of detox crazy going out there right now that is really inappropriate for a lot of autoimmune people, but your four-step liver support protocol. I'd love for you to talk about a little more um, because I think a lot of people are confused and don't think they are detoxing unless they're doing something that is really harsh and really producing even some really nasty negative symptoms. And what you're proposing is actually very gentle and very level-headed and a lot of people wouldn't even consider it detox. Right. And, and that's why I call it the liver support protocol and not the detox protocol. Um, and some people, you know, they don't really understand the difference between the two. And I certainly didn't when I was first um, starting on my healing journey. Um, so detox is something that forces toxins out, right? And so let's say, um, I like to use the analogy of like an overworked kind of office worker at maybe like a government job, right? And what's happening to her in Hashimoto's is she just has way too much stuff to do, way too many toxins to process. And so if you could imagine her desk, it's covered piles and piles of papers and she has to process out all these papers and somebody comes up to her with just one little thing to do and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't get this done for weeks, even though this one task would take her just a minute to, to complete. And that's sort of the same thing with Hashimoto's. Um, when you have a congested liver, the liver is so overburdened with, with all these different things that um, it doesn't have the right kind of nutrients or capacity to get rid of the toxins. It, it doesn't have the stamina. And so a toxin that should normally leave your body in a relatively short amount of time gets sticks around for a really, really long time. and just goes through your body and recirculates rather than getting removed properly. And then, um, we end up being sensitive to things in our environment, like, you know, benign chemicals and whatnot. Um, and so, that, that's sort of the problem that you have. And now there's a few different ways that you can um, address this problem. And one of the ways is through liver support where you would bring in like a support person that can help this woman process and get all of her papers done, right? And so you're, you're helping her along. You're making sure that, um, you know, you're kind of doubling her work up. And that's what liver support is, right? Um, what detox would be is if you were to come into her office in the middle of the night while she was at home and just started cleaning all of her papers up and try to put them away in different places and, and, you know, and maybe threw some of them out. And so that's sort of what happens in detox. And, and as you can imagine, um, things can go crazy if you don't have the right systems in place. Um, I know some of the detox pathways, um, some of the detox protocols out there, like doing chelation, for example, um, this basically removes toxins from where they're sitting in your body and sort of recirculates them. Um, and then you need in, you know, if your liver was perfectly fine, your liver would maybe get rid of them. 
But what happens in autoimmune disease is that these toxins can recirculate and get into another part of your body. Now, this happened to me when I try to take spirulina, which is um, a detox kind of um, molecule or whatnot. Um, I tried to detox myself and I ended up with having an, a new autoimmune condition. So I ended up with giant papillary conjunctivitis, which was giant pimples on my eyelids. Not fun. Don't recommend it. Um, and what happened was that the toxins were getting redistributed in my body, in my eyelids specifically, and not getting cleared out. There's other protocols like, um, you know, coffee enemas. These can be really, really great for really healthy people. But, um, you know, a lot of people with autoimmune disease are very much debilitated, and those can actually be potentially problematic. Um, High-dose iodine can detoxify, but that ends up steering a lot of things in the meantime, and it can actually be inflammatory for people with Hashimoto's. With um, the liver support protocol, what I do with my clients is I give them nutrients and some liver supporting herbs to help them process that backlog. And it's very, very gentle where we just kind of, you know, speed up your own body's natural ways of getting rid of toxins. So part of that is, is moving them out of the liver by using specific liver nutrients like milk thistle and um, various vitamins and amino acids that support those pathways by introducing more sweat into your life. So the skin is our largest detox organ and most people with an underactive thyroid don't sweat enough. It's not something they complain about, but it's something that's definitely deficient. And so getting more sweat happening is gonna be really, really positive. Um, and, and the other big thing is removing those low hanging fruits. So removing the foods that are going to be potentially toxic, removing personal care products, removing fluoride from your everyday use, that starts to free up um, the liver to start getting rid of that backlog, right? And then, of course, I love utilizing supportive foods. So things like hot lemon water, um, green smoothies, so on and so forth to, to help your body detox or to help your own detox pathways, not do a forceful detox. Love it. I mean, I think uh, Mickey and I are sitting over here in our nutritional therapy uh, offices and going, yes, yes, totally right on. I, I just love it. And that um, your kind of example of how this works, you know, this let your office lady, this really gives a great a great illustration to people to understand why gentle is probably better, you know. Um, let's talk a little bit about the surveys you did over your 2000 Hashimoto's patients. One of the not surprising but interesting results was in the adrenal recovery protocol where you report your findings about lifestyle habits and situations that make them feel better. Um, I just want to read a few of these off. So sleeping, 74%, spending time with loved ones, 73%, being in nature, 71%, walking, 66%, compared to things that make people feel worse. So lack of sleep, 95%, being stressed out, 93%. For those of us with autoimmune disease, this may seem obvious, but it's really interesting to look at the numbers here. Can you talk a little bit about the disconnect between what we know is better for us and the lifestyle habits we actually engage in on a regular basis? And I think we're probably all a little guilty. <laughs> you know, and this is kind of a big passion point for me. Um, I recently shared a meme to my Instagram page, and it was basically, um, I think women are especially at risk for this. And it said, high maintenance is a great way to put down, calling a woman high maintenance is a great, great way to put down a woman 
who cares about herself. And there's this stigma around women caring for themselves. Um, our, I guess our value is derived in how we care for other people and our accomplishments. And self-care, self-love, self-compassion is seen as selfish. It's seen as, oh, well, you're spending all this money on yourself and you're resting when you could be, you know, volunteering somewhere and you're doing all of this and all of that. And I, I know for me, that was a huge reframe where I was like, wow, well, maybe it's okay for me not to take over the entire world and do every little thing by myself and actually let other people help. Maybe it's okay for me to, um, you know, I ended up working part-time as part of my healing journey. And that, for me, I feel good because I felt like my accomplishments were what brought value to my life. And um, I think, for me, the biggest way to reframe that is about how an empty cup can never fill another cup. And so what we want to do is we want to fill our cups so full of, you know, self-love and self-care and self-compassion that we can just give from our overflow. Um, Cause then, then it's like not such a burden. I know for me, if I'm never, if I'm ever not myself, I end up being resentful towards other people. I'm, I'm not like the best Isabella to my loved ones. I'm not the best Isabella to anybody in my life. Um, if, if I'm not taking care of me first. And so I know this is a really big, big habit change. It's one of those things, um, like stress, changing your, how you respond to stress and how much stress you take on. It's one of those things that doesn't require like a fancy doctor or fancy supplements or even necessarily a lot of money, but it's one of the hardest things to do, but it's also one of the most important things. Yeah, I mean, when you look at these numbers, it's like people, you know, the, out of the 2,000 people that responded to your survey, 95% of them said lack of sleep they know make them feel worse and being stressed out, 93%. Those are two things that, you know, not everything, but a lot of those things are, are within their control. You know, they can set a bedtime, they can, you know, troubleshoot those sleep issues, they can um, acknowledge that stress and, and make a plan for, you know, trying to dial it down or manage it better. Um, but it's still surprising knowing how much better that makes us feel how high those numbers are and it really tells me that you know everyone is suffering from this everyone is having a hard time and you know I think part of it is just cultural you know what you said Isabella about women just overdoing it and not really taking that time for self-care because of the stigma is totally spot on Maybe we need to start a girls club, ladies, where we cheer each other on for um, putting ourselves first and really uh, diving into these self-care practices. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, you know, a great uh, thing, maybe an action item for anyone listening. You know, if you notice someone else in your life taking some time to take care of themselves, um, cheer them on, you know, say, you know what, I noticed that, you know, you're trying to take care of yourself and like applaud them and you know they're going to be a better friend or a better wife or a better teacher or whatever they do because they're taking that effort and I think we should acknowledge it more hashtag self-care yep <laughs> right <laughs> so Isabella uh, a big misconception I've noticed kind of floating around our Hashimoto's community is that there is one and one underlying magical root cause to anyone's personal particular disease. Um, 
And in the advanced protocol sections of your book, you provide a lot of self-tests people can use to uncover different areas they should look at. So maybe uh, you could speak to those people who seem to be tirelessly looking for this one root cause instead of looking at that bigger picture and how to narrow that down with some of the advanced protocols you've given. Sure. So um, the six categories where I would put root causes are going to be food sensitivities, nutrient depletions, impaired ability to handle stress, an impaired ability to handle toxins, intestinal permeability, and chronic infections. Um, and when I really thought about like what all of those different root causes have in common, when you go back to it, all of them, whatever, if it's toxins or having food sensitivities or not enough nutrients on board or even stress in our lives, all of those messages send a signal to our body that we're not safe and that we need to conserve energy and conserve resources. Now, I consider this an adaptive physiology kind of um, genius development of the body where the body knows that in times of famine where we might have nutrient depletions and a lot of stress, that we need to shut th certain things. Um, the fastest way to shut down you know, energy expenditure is going to be through slowing down thyroid function. And so, you know, my kind of interpretation of what's going on with thyroid disease and what's going on in Hashimoto's is basically our ancient body's response to our current environment, right? And so our body is interpreting these signs. So eating more inflammatory to you, if right now that seems like it's a normal part of life but if you were a caveman there was probably there was never going to be a time that you gas which which let's face brains are unless you were absolutely starving unless there was a famine and so this sends a signal to your body that you're not safe right um and same with any kind of toxin so the the toxin within your body or within your environment um it sends a signal to your body say hey, we're not safe, not a good time to be utilizing all of our resources. We need to conserve our resources. And so how you back away from that is sending your body safety signals and convincing your body that, yes, it is safe, right? And that, that's how you start rebalancing autoimmune thyroid disease. And you do that through making sure that you're nourishing yourself, foods that are inflammatory to you, you're addressing your stress and then, you know, supporting the liver and supporting the adrenal gut is also going to be helpful for sending your body those safety signals to make yourself feel better. Um, as far as the root causes, a lot of times it's going to be, you know, a, a whole lifestyle over when you have autoimmune thyroid disease where you dial in all the moving pieces like the nutrients and you want to dial the food and on and so forth. Um, and the liver, adrenal, and gut protocols, my fundamental protocols actually result in improvement in 80% of the time where people feel significantly better. And some people can even go into remission once they get um, these three elements dialed in. Beyond that, there's various types of root causes. Um, and some of them, some of the root causes we can absolutely find, figure out what they are and we can remove them. Uh, gluten is a root cause for some people. Once they get off of gluten, everything else comes into balance. The world 
comes back and birds are singing everywhere and, and you know, you're in complete remission until you eat gluten again. For other people, um, breast implants may be an autoimmune trigger. Um, they get their breast implants removed and they no longer have autoimmune disease, right? Um, for other people, it might be a combination of different things. So they might have a few different infections. They may need to really work on rebalancing their stress response. Um, for others, it might be things that we can't necessarily get rid of. If, if a vaccine or an immunization triggered their thyroid disease, it's not like you can unvaccinate yourself, right? Um, and so a matter of what you need to do when you have Hashimoto's is you need to support your fundamentals. You need to work on building up your body. You need to work on that resilience to get yourself to feel well. Oftentimes, you also need to address hormones and making sure that you're on proper thyroid hormone replacement in conjunction as you're doing these lifestyle things. Um, and, you know, there's fundamentals that I recommend. And I also recommend figuring out and addressing any kind of root causes or known triggers that you may have. And that's why I have the um, a root cause assessment in the second part of the book that goes through um, all these potential triggers that that could be contributing. But what I found is it's oftentimes wiser to get the lifestyle and the strengthening protocols up, such as making sure you're properly nourished, as you ladies know, um, before you start really going heavily after the different root causes. Awesome. Love that approach. And, and I love, uh, you know, you putting it together through, you know, all of this spectrum of root causes and things that can be combined instead of, you know, a lot of practitioners now will go out and say, you know, Epstein-Barr is the root cause of Hashimoto's. You know, I can't tell you how many people in the last week, it's it's almost on a daily basis now that are coming up with this. And, and you know, for some people, yes, uh, dealing with a chronic infection is a part of their journey, but for a lot of people, it's not. So, you know, you presented a really wide range and you present even more in your book of things that some people wouldn't even think of, like the breast implants or, um, you know, various things that people could be reacting to in their lifestyle, you know, toxic mold in their house, you know, whatever it is that, um, you know, they're having a trouble with. Yeah, absolutely. And in some cases, there's some things that you can't get rid of necessarily out of um, our environment. So you can't, you can't like leave our planet and our planet really is full of toxins. Um, and so you have to, we have to do our best to survive in this world. And it, it's a matter of sending safety signals to our body. And that's going to be making sure you're, you're really nourished and well taken care of. Mm -hmm. And not having too much fear about that too. Cause you know, I've seen a lot of people go off the deep end in that area too, where, you know, when they start hearing stories, especially of other people where, um, you know, someone's having a problem with something really specific, they start to kind of get this bubble living and, you know, afraid of the outside world. I think that really impacts our ability to live vibrant, healthy lives. If we're constantly afraid of everything we'll have we'll come into contact with. So we have to have kind of a balance there. Yeah, I agree. And I know for myself, um, when I first started on the path to healing, I made a lot of mistakes. And that's probably why I write about it all, because I don't want people to make the same mistakes I did. But I was um, on a dietary protocol. I was on the GAPS diet, which just wasn't right for me. It works well for some people, right? But for me, this diet wasn't right because I was very sensitive to nuts and nuts make me accumulate copper. My body tends to accumulate copper um, just in general, probably potentially because of some undiscovered genes that I have. And, um, you know, you, you can get into a place where you feel like 
um, you lose that connection and you lose that communication with your body mm-hmm. and you're no longer perceiving your body's messages and you become very fearful. And I know I became concerned when I was like going, you know, about eating sweet potatoes and I was like, well, they're not gaps compliant and are they going to harm me because I lost that communication and that, I guess, inner dialogue with my body. And that that's really what it is in recovering, in my opinion, from, from um, Hashimoto's is remaking that connection with your body where you listen to its signs um, as terms of what foods are working for you, what foods aren't working for you, what's working in your life. Um, and for most people being isolated and keeping themselves away from their community, that that's definitely not on the list of things that makes them feel better. And so really going through and just creating that little list for yourself, things that make me feel better, things that make me feel worse and doing more of the better and less of the worse is um, probably the most important thing you can do for your healing. I mean, I don't know if uh, this lady could be singing to our hearts any more clearly, you guys. I mean, we are always preaching the balance in this process, and she's just really speaking some wise stuff here. Um, Isabella, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We know our Hashi's brothers and sisters listening in will learn a lot from this episode. Um, You guys, please pick up a copy of Isabella's new book, uh, Hashimoto's Protocol, a 90-day plan for reversing thyroid symptoms and getting your life back. Isabella, can you let our listeners know where to follow you and what's in store for your community of root cause rebels? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is thyroidpharmacist.com. And um, as we talked a little bit um, at the beginning of, of of the interview, um, I'm always coming out with new and exciting things for people with thyroid disease and trying to get more information out into the world. Um, one of these big projects was the Thyroid Secret. Um, and if you want to be notified about if we ever do re-release that, um, um, you can go to thyroidpharmacist.com gift. I also have some helpful things to get you started on your journey, including a guide on nutrient deficiencies, which are one of the fastest ways to get back your health. Um, and I always keep, you know, I, I'm sending out up-to-date research every week or so or every two weeks if I'm in a book launch um, to let people know about what all, all the different potential things that can be helpful for them to recover their health. Um, and Hashimoto's Protocol is available wherever books are sold. So if you go to Barnes & Noble, if you go to Amazon, if you go to Um, any kind of bookstores, you should be able to find it there. And I hope that you pick it up and I hope that it helps you on your journey. Awesome. Thank you so much, Isabella, for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you ladies. Bye guys. for joining us on this episode of the autoimmune wellness podcast we're honored to have you as a listener and we hope that you've gained some useful information you can learn more about the topic we explored today it's covered in detail in our book the autoimmune wellness handbook along with handy self-assessments checklists and other useful resources to put your plan into action pick up a copy today if you enjoyed the podcast please leave us a review in itunes as this helps others find us You can also connect with us through our blog, autoimmune-paleo.com, and with the community by using the hashtag autoimmunewellness.